Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Presented by me, Lloyd Shepard, and you, Tim Wright. I'm Tim Wright. You are. Oh my goodness. Okay, well this is part two of our exploration of James Herbert's The Rats. In part one, we entered the eerie world of London's East End. London's East End, and we covered, uh, we covered a lot of kind of politi- political ground. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that for a book that is really a shock horror book and quite trashy, can yeah. I say that? Yeah, yeah. In the best way. In, in, a, good a, way. in a good way, yeah. but um, quite tr- punky. Yeah. Um, and doesn't, in, in, its own, it, in its own terms, doesn't get very political yeah. and doesn't seem to recognise the world of the early 1970s <laughs> in which it's set no. very much. And yet, as soon as you go walking around there and talk about this part of London, you can't get away from it. You, you can't, can't get, get away, away from, from the politics, the racism... Uh, housing, yeah. uh, lots the whole of post-war shebang. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. amazing. Well, on our walk, we were generally making our way from west to east. We were walking in at least either direction. Yeah, uh, with the ultimate aim of ending up at the Regent's Canal. Yes, we had a slight debate, didn't we, at one point about whether we, whether the canal that they're talking about is the Limehouse Cut or the Regent's Canal. But in fact. It's what he names a street. He names Tomlin's Terrace, which ah, we're going to next. Which we're going to go to. We're going to go to right. next. So Regent's Canal. Regent's Canal. Um, it what runs do we know from, about that? It runs from basically Paddington, yep. uh, where uh, it joins up with the Grand Junction Canal, Grand okay. Union Canal, big pardon. Um, opened in 1801, runs uh, and uh, initially ran uh, from there to Camden. Yep. And then the second part from Camden out to the river, started, they started building that in 1820. Basically, by the time of the book, this book, which we think is probably set in the early 1970s, we couldn't really get yeah, more specific 72, than that. 72, 73. It's got okay. to be post-71, and it's published in 74. Yeah. So it's in the, that zone. The canal's basically shut down by that point. Yes, uh, it is. It closed commercial traffic completely in 1969. Yep. Uh, but it already, uh, I'm getting this from the Canal Museum website, which is yeah, it's good, isn't it? Stuff. It already pretty much closed to all commercial traffic. Yes. Uh, and in the book, it's very much a, a derelict place that you don't go to, Spooky. surrounded by brick walls and fences. And Well, this yeah. tells you everything you need to know about the differences. That basically, the top end of Regent's Canal, you know, they, they, they had a Regent's Canal group and the Friends of Regent's Park. I think it's in 1982... That the remainder of the towpath, I'm getting this from the Friends of Regent's Park, that 1982, the remainder of the towpath down to Limehouse was open to the public. So it was, yeah, so it's basically shut for a good uh, decade. Decades, really, isn't it? A couple of decades. But the, obviously the, the top bit was all poshed up quite quickly because a property company in 72, 73 bought the yard at Hampstead Road, Locks, and converted to what we now know as Camden Lock. Right. Which is very, you know, vibey place. Very now. vibey. You know, well, all the young people Vegan hang out. restaurants and expensive antiques these get, days. You can get tattoos there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so the five Camden markets are now among the top tourist destinations in London. Yeah. So uh, by 73, it wasn't a scary place. North in, of... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that end. Yeah. And, but, of course, the rats go up the, through the canal do. to the zoo, don't they? They go up to the zoo. And, and the and, cinema. And the cinema, which so we think must be the Camden. They're Park coming to get area, the right? Camden Islington people. They're coming for you. They're coming, they're coming for, for you. <laughs> what made you draw a rat, Barney? He asked. 
Dunno, sir, Barney said, sucking the end of his pen. I saw one the other day, big one like Keogh saw. His voice trailed off. Whereabouts, asked the teacher. By the canal, Tomlin's Terrace. Did you see where it went? It jumped over a wall and disappeared into the bushes. What bushes? There is a park down there. Where the lock keeper used to live. It's like a jungle now. The canal's been shut down. <laughs> you excited now? Well, we're under a railway bridge on the canal at the end of Tomlin's Terrace. And um, you might be able to hear pigeons cooing in the... Uh, might be able to hear. It's very loud. Um, and the interesting thing, the reason I love it is, is there's a bend in the canal coming down from Ben Johnson Way, heading down towards Limehouse. And uh, where we're standing is quite gr- overgrown. You know, everywhere else has been slightly kind of cleaned up and new housing and all this kind of stuff. But where we're standing, it's still quite crappy. And it's quite creepy and um, vibey. And if you look down the canal from here towards Limehouse Basin, so as it towards the River Thames, you will see an old lock keeper's cottage. Yeah. Which is where we're headed next. You wanted to stop here and record, but I think this is actually displacement activity because you're being a little bit creeped out by that, aren't you? I don't want to go there. He doesn't want to go down there. I honestly didn't think it would be a real place. And I, I was wishing it wasn't it's a real It's really place. good, though. I'm not very it's, keen on rats. It's really and good. And having read this book, I'm really not keen on rats. The other thing you can see from here, and we'll talk about this at more length later on, is a massive block of flats built in the 60s, right on the canal's edge. Yeah, so in the book, there's an attack on the flats as well, isn't there? So where we're standing, we can see Tomlin's Terrace, the lockkeeper's cottage, a bridge, which we're underneath, and a, and a block of flats... It's bang on, isn't it? I can. I reckon James Herbert stood right here at least once. What do you? And do you reckon he saw a rat swimming? Uh, and I reckon he saw a rat cro- swimming up there. If we see a rat, yeah, yeah. one morph. Okay, understood. I got a mule. Her name is Sal. Fifteen miles on the Erie Canal. She's a good old worker and a good old pal. Fifteen miles on the Erie Canal We hauled some barges in our day Filled with lumber, coal and hay We know every inch of the way we go So we come to the moment where we have to decide whether James Herbert is at all curious about dates and locations in the in the way that we are, or specifically dates, uh, we want we like to talk about the dating of the book. So when is the book actually, actually taking set? place? When is it yeah. taking place? Yeah. What time scale is taking place in? Um, there's a couple of there's a couple of direct clues in the text. I would say. Yeah. He talks about the Tories. So remember, the book came out in seventy four. He started writing it in seventy one, seventy two. Right. Um, uh, he talks about the Tories being in power. Right. Tories were in power from 1970 to 1974. Okay. I think that's the main one, though, isn't it? I mean, that's the main, that's the main well, free, year. I yeah, and then also he talks about them uh, stopping free milk at schools, which is in 71. That's in 71. So okay. it has to be post-71. But the other date that kept coming up in my research was 1968. Yeah, why is that? So Foskins is described as being from the Ministry of Health. Yeah. Ministry of Health was dissolved in 1968 to form the Department of Health and Social Security. Ah, uh, he talks about the Ronan Point c- collapse. That was also 1968. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's also the Sexual Offences Act of 1967, which legalizes homosexuality. And the first chapter of this book is about a, a gay man. About a gay man. Yeah. Are we thinking that that homosexuality was legal or illegal in that chapter? Oh, it's legal. I think there's no there's no sense in which it's illegal. No, it's exactly. Just extremely. So it has uh, to be post 67. Yeah, for that. Post-67. But it is. It ties in the your 68 thing, which I. Yeah. I think in his imagination, it does feel like the Regent's Canal was closed in 69. Yeah. Yeah. The other little clues I've got is that um, his girlfriend drives a battered Hillman Minx. They stopped making those in 1967. Presumably because it's battered, it's quite old. It's quite old, yeah, but it's probably an early 60s. But she's driving around with it. It's got to be, but it's got to be between sort of sixty-seven and seventy-four, hasn't yeah. it, for for her to be driving that old thing? Yeah, absolutely. Now they drive to first. They drive to Walton, yeah, uh, to see his aunt, yeah, and then they her take her aunt, her aunt. Sorry, yeah. yes, and then they 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 uh, then take a trip to Stratford upon Avon. They do for a bit of culture. A, so that 
obviously that whole trip interested me. He's fantastically rude about the tourists. So it's very funny. Well, he's rude about foreigners, mate. Foreigners. Is what he's rude yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. He's rude about by foreigners. him. I mean James Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. No, but no, it, it's mainly the teachers. I, I came here to get away from it all, and now I've got all these stupid foreigners yeah. here yeah. who don't even understand Shakespeare. Well, two things I noticed about the description of that. One is um, that he goes to he goes to the theatre, and it's shut. Yes, the so that's Royal quite unusual company. for the RSC to be shut, yeah. especially when at the height of tourism. Yeah, and the second thing is that, that there's a moment where it rains. And then they drive in the car, and then they go stop and go, oh, see that hill up there? That would be a great place to have a shag. Yes. And uh, You're but, paraphrasing, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, so that's what they do. But it's been raining. Yeah. No mention. Muddy. The, their clothes are, are pristine and dry at the end of it. They put them back on and yeah. get back in the car, no problem. Yeah. No, is this helping you with the dating, or are you just remarking <laughs> on it? <laughs> well, I'm remarking on that saying... It must have been a very localised shower. <laughs> Could I be looking at weather charts for the oh, time wow. okay. to say what was the weather localized like? Localised showers in Stratford. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, know. I wasn't wildly successful, but I was quite interested to find that, uh, obviously, the, the, the time that the Royal Shakespeare Theatre is shut, there's a short period. It's, it's usually open most of the time. They have a winter season and a summer season, obviously, and they tour. Obviously, they used to come to London a lot, and then they tour. So and they on their website is very good at showing you all the records oh. of when their productions took place. And they generally the place goes dark around sort of February March where they they end the winter season and they they rehearse the summer season. And the summer season opens last week of March or first week of April. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, isn't yeah, it? And it's yeah, open yeah. for all the rest of the year round really. So if he goes to there when it's shut, I think it's got to be March. Right. I think it's got to be mid-March, which then, given that there's a shower of rain, I think that's quite good. Yeah. Then at Walton, they go for a walk at 10.30. She says, she, the aunt says, why don't you, after supper, she says, why don't you take a stroll? It's so mild out, you know, before you yeah. go to bed. And, oi, have yeah, yeah. a bit of rummy bubby. Go on then. So it's got to be quite warm. Yeah. Can't be winter. No. She's wearing a straw hat when yeah. she goes out. To the fate, to the village fate. I have to say, the whole thing gave me the impression that it was the oh, summer. Oh no, jumble sale, jumble sale. It's a jumble sale. Summer or late spring? I was thinking. Well, I'm. Well, here's the other thing: is the kids are in school. He's Their a teacher. Kids are in school, so it can't be Easter. It can't be Easter, and it can't or, be the summer. It can't be July. summer, summer. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, but then I was. So I was thinking it's either. But then the RSC is open in June, yeah. July, mainly for school trips. Obviously, right. Uh, it would be full of people. I'm wondering. I'm, go, I'm going towards going March. I'm going towards March. March. I've got the days mapped out as usual for, you, for you, listener. So how long? Yeah. Well, how, how long, long does it go on for? I think you might want to know this. I hope you want to know this because this is the old point of this why, exercise. Why are you listening? Well, to otherwise, this why are you listening to us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why would you bother? Yeah. So it's it's between seven and eight weeks that the whole thing. Uh, t- eight weeks, so two months. So you'd say starting in March. The problem with that, of course, well, is then that it'd be Easter. That would take it over Easter. Wouldn't yeah, it? but the kids obviously they close. They said the kids will be back. They do say at one they point oh, the, the kids will be they? back at school. Yeah, but they uh, closed soon. So they've closed the school because of the because of the crisis. Yeah, which is so, why all these teachers are hanging around trying to save yeah save London because they haven't got a job to do. Yeah. So if it was March, April, tricky. Could it be June, July? Could it be May? Could it be May? If it started in May, you my pr- my problem with that my problem with that is that uh, in 1972, Coriolanus opens on the 11th of April, and is running from that date. Right. And in 73, Romeo and Juliet opens on the 28th of March, and is running throughout right. that time with Timothy Dalton as Romeo. So we oh, think David Suchet as Tybalt. So. So we're thinking sometime between 1968 and 1972, sometime between March and May. That's about as That's good about as it as gets. Get. That's all we can do. Yeah, it's I think a, it's, it's a couple it's of a months bit, in one of those years. It's a bit of a tough one, isn't it? I'm sort of... I am veering towards 73, merely because the 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 canal is so abandoned yes. that it needs to be as long as possible from when it was sort of shut down Formally and boarded down. up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say my favourite is, I think, March... April 73. 
When he reached the street that ran alongside the old canal, it was deserted of any rodent life at all. He spotted a car halfway down the street and assumed Foskins had beaten him to it. He stopped at the place where he knew the house to be hidden, behind a high wall and screened by wild foliage. Foskins must have parked his car and walked back looking for the house. He sat there for a few minutes, listening for any sound, reluctant to leave the comparative safety of his vehicle. He reached for the glass-visored helmet and got out. He stood there and looked both ways, down and up the street. Carrying the helmet in one hand, ready to don it at the slightest cause, he moved towards the boarded-up gap in the wall where the iron gates had once stood. Two of the heavy boards had been pulled aside, leaving a hole large enough for a man to get through. So he's gone to the old lockkeeper's cottage. It's rather nice now. It's been done up. And you can hear the sound of the lock. Well, we can perfect You can see, a, uh, just as we're sitting here, a barge boat. A barge? Yeah. Long boat? What do you call them? Yeah. Canal boat. Yeah. Um, is going into the lock. With two little white terriers. Which is rather exciting. Got oh, a dog very on top. exciting. So we're here. We found it. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, as Swan, we Lane, coming, Swan Lane Lock. Uh, salmon. Salmon Lane Lock. Salmon Lane Lock. It's a working lock. Sitting on the, the Stepney side of the canal, and uh, it's all new recent development housing behind us. So this would have been wasteland. But the lock keeper's house, I, I honestly didn't think it would... A, I didn't think it would be there, and yeah. B, I didn't want it to be there. Now, you were a bit scared about it. But when we got here, it's, it's been cleaned up and turned into some rather nice little dwelling. It's been extended, actually. It's got two extensions on either yeah. side. As we came by, a man in his nightwear... It's quite a late morning here. Yeah. Appeared to pick up his, came out the front door to take his post. He had no rats with him, and he did not look like a uh, uh, explorer. Well, in the description of the house, of course, it does talk about having a kind of basement, doesn't it? It does talk about having a basement. I could have a basement, basement there. You could have a basement there. I, it's, it's I set question up above, the basement. Above the canal. I question the basement issue. So it all fits together rather well, I think. The well, other thing he said we didn't he didn't know the area that well the, he hadn't lived here for a long time. He obviously knows this bit really well. Well, I think he probably we walked down from Ben Johnson Bridge, didn't we? Yeah. Ben Johnson is it Ben Johnson Lock? It was Ben Johnson Bridge. Um, yeah. Ben Johnson Bridge. We walked down here to Salmon Lane Lock, and uh, I, I think he definitely well he probably didn't do that walk because you couldn't walk down there back in from the, the day, outside. Yeah. Maybe he stood at stood at one end and he might and, have known it as a kid though. As but well. if he'd gone on to the bridge here, Salmon Lane Bridge. Yeah. He could have seen the lock house there. And actually, it would have looked really rubbish and crappy when he was doing and that. Yeah. If you get over that bridge in 1971, 1972, when he's thinking about writing the book, yeah. and look back up the canal, he would have seen the whole area the rats come from laid out in front of him. So at the end of the book, Harris goes to, to the lock keeper's cottage to find Foskins. Who's, it's, it's all very unlikely. Yes. Um, but then there's another big set-piece scene where he comes here with the... The man from Ratkill. Ratkill. So they well, we know what that is, don't we? That's obviously Rentakill. Yeah, obviously based on Rentakill. Basically, they go down uh, a wall, the two of them. They walk back towards the starting point of the wall, and they're looking for a hole in the fence, and they get through the fence. And then the, he sees rats swimming across the water, and then the rats suddenly turn and disappear through a hole in the old wooden fence that protected that side of the canal from public property. So that's the other side. So he's on the poplar side, and that's yeah. the Stepney side. Yeah. And then Ferris, the, the rat catcher, says, Thank God for that! And then when he'd recovered, What's over there? Harris thought for a moment, trying to recollect the surrounding area. Well, there's a bit of wasteland... We can see the undergrowth from here, and then there's... He scratched his cheek and pondered. Oh, no. Flats. There's blocks of flats behind the waste. That's I'm going canal. around to the flats. You follow when you phone. There's a small road bridge across the canal not far in that direction. That's the Salmon Lane Bridge. Yep. So follow me as fast as possible, for Christ's sake. I don't want to come up against that lot on my own. So if you look at Salmon Lane Bridge from where we're sitting, you walk Tim, across there, and you what walk do you across see? there from the other side, where do you end up? Well, I looked it up. There is a fantastic... There's, a, there's a literally a massive 70s tower block immediately opposite there it. There is. It's called Anglia House, Lloyd. Anglia House. Anglia House is a good sign, isn't it? Norfolk, Anglia House. There's <laughs> at least one Norfolk reference in every podcast. But, now, let me tell you, I've looked it up. Yeah. It was uh, commissioned 
in 66. Oh, so, okay, right. Okay, it was, it was actually opened in 1969. Anglia House was approved in 66 and contains 66 flats. And its address is 66 Salmon Lane. So it's a double 666. 666? 666. Wow. Shall we go and visit it? Shall we? Do, uh, it's an interesting note that it's only about a half a mile to the Limehouse Basin to sort of Poplar. And then it, the other sign, it says it's three and a half miles to Islington. So where do you think he came from? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting, because the other thing in the book that's a bit puzzling is that the, the, um, the hero, Harris, lives at King's Cross. And of course, the Regent's Lane Canal goes through King's Cross. The Regent's... Regent's Lane Canal. Regent's, whatever. What's the Regent's Lane Canal? The Regent's Canal. Where did I get Regent's Lane Canal from? Um, Regent's, yes. Regent's Canal goes to uh, King's Cross... Um, after it gets after it goes to Rislington. And where does it go after that? But after that, it goes to Camden. And so the rat attacks that happen towards the end of the book, there's an attack on the zoo, which the is zoo, on the canal. Which is on the canal. In Regent's Park. And yeah. then just before that, there's an attack on a cinema. Yeah. Uh, the only cinema I can think of that's anywhere near this canal, anywhere, not even, even here, is the Camden Parkway Odeon. Good. So the canal basically passes... Like right behind the Camden Parkway Odeon, doesn't it? Uh, as we're now sitting here by the canal and talking about it, the canal becomes a really good spine for this story. That a walk, again, listener, a walk up the Regent's Canal takes you through quite a lot of this book. Yeah, so you could start at Limehouse Basin, which is where the, um, the canal comes out onto the Thames. And you can go all the way to the zoo. And you can walk all the way to the zoo. And imagine all those animals being attacked. It was the problem of the bloody authorities. What disgusted him more, the vermin themselves or the fact that it could only happen in East London? Not Hampstead or Kensington, but Poplar. Was it the old prejudices against the middle and upper classes, the councils that took the working class from their slums and put them into tall, remote, concrete towers, telling them they'd never been better off, but never realising that 40 homes in a block of flats became 40 separate cells for people, communication between them confined to conversations in the lift. Was it this that really angered him? That these same councils could allow the filth that could produce vermin such as the black rats? He remembered the anger he'd felt at the time a new ultra-modern flat had collapsed when by some miracle only nine people had been killed. His resentment had been directed not only at the architects who had designed the block construction but the council who had approved its design. Hmm... James Herbert's little history of the East End there. Yes. Well, uh, what is the East End then? What is the East End? Isn't Broadly quite, speaking, it? it's east of the City of London. Right? Yes. Okay. So uh, that's from sort of the Tower of London out towards, out past the Royal Docks. But Well, I'm, I, but it's not from the Tower People of argue about where it starts and where it ends. They do. They? It's very uncertain. Yeah. I like the idea that it starts from the Old Gate Pump. The Old Gate Pump. The Old Gate Pump. It's still there, you know. Right. Uh, and it's been there for hundreds of years. It's a pump serving uh, fresh water to the community. Apparently, it uh, has a bright, sparkling and cool and agreeable taste. Still, I don't know if anyone's... Well, I wouldn't eat it now because they say the reason why it tastes as it does is that it's basically the leaching of calcium from the bones of the dead in, <laughs> in the adjoining graveyards that makes it taste so nice. There's a lot of this stuff when you're talking about the Easter. Isn't <laughs> Most people agree that it sort of ends at the Lee River. OK. Most people... Most most people who aren't from the East End, who are people like me who sit in South London, not a Limehouse from ba- Norwich, not Limehouse claim Basin. to know anything at all about the East End. Okay, all right, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, and it encompasses the Isle of Dogs, of course, which is uh, yes. uh, a big kind of bend in the river. That's right. Uh, now, which is now Canary Wharf. Historically, you call it. historically, it uh, it was where kind of indu- the industry around London developed in the sort of the Middle Ages and going. F- you know, it was that. that don't do that in within the city walls. Do it over there. Yeah. So they started developing out that way, but obviously it was also by the 19th century the place where the docks had all been built. Yes. So the London Dock, Wapping, opened sort of 1805. Uh, the the East India and West India docks on the Isle of Docks around the same time. So all that area 
sort of below the East End and along the Amazing river. Amazing how you've, you've just gone into your automatic, let me tell you about the context of my novel talk, yeah, haven't you? I know, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You look quite bored. Um, well, it's just like... <laughs> you're just on autopilot now, this stuff. I know this stuff. The but the time we're talking about, he says at one point in the book, you know, dockers are well paid and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the time, actually, the docks are all closing or beginning to close. The yes. London, London dock closed in 1969. Okay. Uh, East India dock closed in 1967. The West India Dock stayed open a little bit longer. It stayed open until 1981, but it was just grinding down. And down okay, and, and then the Surrey Docks south of the river. And, that, the, and the Royal Docks, kind of, which are now London City Airport, they closed in 1981 as well. Gosh. Um, and the Surrey Docks, as you say, on the other side of the Is river. 1970? In the 70s, yeah. yeah. We're, all, we're all closing. So they're all, they're all, it's all closing. Wow. Uh, the that other thing that's happening at the time, obviously, is massive housing development but chaotically planned and chaotically organised yeah found a good thing from the survey of London which basically said because you had the GLC the Greater London Council you did have Poplar Borough Council and Stepney Borough Council they were reorganised into Tower Hamlets in 1965 okay so the whole place was like it wasn't clear who owned what bit of land and you know all this kind of stuff and nobody had any money right the government didn't have any money the council didn't have any money so they were chucking up these these as he calls them block designed flats right and I think what he's talking about there when he talks about the, the ultra modern flat collapsing is um, is Ronan's point okay um, I didn't I, know about this uh, which I got some good stuff from uh, uh, from the Open University in fact let me just pull that up if you go on YouTube uh, um, and search for uh, sort of London East End development, 1970s, there's some really there's some great uh, uh, footage of sort of news program feature programs. Yeah. People standing on vast wastelands, yeah. uh, blokes who look like they're in sort of sheepskin jackets with big um, uh, sort of mutton chops and uh, brill creamed hair, uh, talking about how they're going to you know, take this wasteland and turn it into a thriving commercial district. Yeah. Well. 16th of May, 1968, yeah. Mrs. Ivy Hodge, a council tenant in a block of flats called Ronan Point in East London, wandered into the kitchen of her 18th floor flat. Bless her. She leaned over her cooker and struck a match. Instantly, an explosion blew out the precast concrete panels which formed the side of the building. The entire end of the block collapsed like Jeez. a house of cards. Mrs. Hodge survived, but four others died. It was modern architecture's Titanic. Wow. And spelled the end of the high-rise as a viable solution to the post-war housing crisis, as well as plunging modern architecture and the architectural profession to a low level of public esteem. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So in, the, in, in one year previous to the disaster, 1967, 470,000 new flats and houses were built, most of them in block-built tower blocks. Which is so interesting when you say... The, the population is falling, and yeah. they're building all these new houses well, for clearly people who aren't slums. there. They're clearing a lot of slums at the same time, aren't they? Yeah. I read also that quite a lot of the young Bangladeshi men who came over to live in that area, basically they were they were quite reasonably skilled at textiles yeah, uh, yeah, manufacture, and that was the big thing that the Jewish community had brought to that area. Yeah. So there's a big... They're, they're, do you know there's still mulberry trees in Stepney for silkworms? For, really? Yeah, yeah. They actually had their own silkworms in Stepney. Weird, wow. isn't it? That is weird. Uh, anyway, so they they came over as textile workers, uh, really low paid. They could, couldn't get anywhere to live because no one would rent them anywhere because, frankly, the landlords were all racist. And uh, um, and uh, so they had to self-organise. Uh, they they saw what uh, young white people were doing in places like Charing Cross when we talked about what was going on around Cambridge Circus yeah. and Tinker Taylor's Squatting. Old Have a listen to that. Uh, Lloyd did some really interesting um, research on the whole of that era. So they saw what all the sort of young white guy people were doing in London about getting organised about squatting. But Bangladeshi kids, uh, men started to do the same thing right. in the area. Yeah. Started to organise serious squats, yeah. which then wound up the races even more, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my, my feeling is that he hasn't got much of a sense, feel for what's actually happening in the East End in 1974. But by that time, he'd presumably moved out. I don't know where he was living by then. He might even have moved out of London by that point. He'd pretty successful in advertising. I was going to say, if you're successful in advertising, yeah. he's not he's not hanging around. Well, I know by the 80s he was living in Sussex, you know, so. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, he I mean, obviously from a small age, he went he he was up and out. He went to Highgate Classic School. Yeah. Then he went to Hornsey Art School, then he got a job in ads. So the last time he sort of hung around the East End was probably when he was 15. I think that's right. I think that's right. There's like a gap in his knowledge. Yeah, so him saying he's really good on locations. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. well, I think it's a case of write what you know, or rather in this case, write what you knew. Possibly. Now, this isn't. I just want to say this is also a contemporary 
problem about uh, development yeah. uh, across London, actually. Um, I found a... So I was, I was sort of looking for stories about rats, as yeah. you do. And I came across this really interesting... I hadn't realised this phenomenon that's been going on, which is that all the people who live on um, the route of HS2, the high-speed link, out of... Uh, Euston. Euston. Yeah. Just above there, in Regent's Park Estate... They're having a major. They've been having a major problem for the last couple of years. That they um, that rats are fleeing drains and sewers because of HS2 railway digging and surging up through holes in the ground, <laughs> causing havoc across the Regent's Park estate. Blimey! She's uh, Patsy Downey, who has lived in Vandal Street since 1971. Right. She's never seen the like. It has got totally out of control. Is a direct result of the latest excavation of HS2. At the moment, I'm sitting looking out of the window. And I can see the rats. There are five families of rats out there playing with their children in the grass. She says, we've always had rats around here, but now it's a thousand times worse. So what I'm saying to you is that, and and what's really brilliant about this is that then obviously the HS2 development people say, oh, well, we came down there and we saw no evidence of rats whatsoever. So, of course, the developers are just sort of gaslighting the locals about the, the rat incident. It's just not happening. But if you're smashing up the place for development, if you're putting up flats and putting in roads and you're doing all that stuff, you're displacing the rats. That's what you're doing. You are. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a lot to be said for giving people a decent place to live in. I don't know who designs them. I don't know who they design them for, or if they think that we feel or think any differently than they do. There must be reasons why these architects uh, build these flats in this design and in this hard, barrack-looking way, because I'm sure they couldn't possibly like the um, structure and the outlook of them themselves. I don't think there was an awful lot of thought put into it. If they would have only consulted ordinary people who have to live in these places, what what we would like, um, it's not a lot we would like, um, but we, we do like the same things as they, they enjoy. Um, they like the outside of their places to look nice, and so do we. We don't differ in any way to them. Surely that in time somebody will learn to come and ask the ordinary people what they'd like and how they would like them. He crossed the canal bridge and saw the council flats before him. He heard the commotion seconds before he came upon the ghastly scene. 
As he ran into the grounds and turned a corner, he saw an old lady furiously waving a broom in the air, being dragged to the ground by several large rats. Uh, um, and then I'm afraid the rentacle man gets it, doesn't he? Ferris. The old lady was on the ground, her chest heaving in sharp, uneven movements, covered in blood, still feebly holding on to the broom. It was only then that Harris saw the shredded, blood-stained overalls of little Ferris. It was only the now barely recognisable uniform with its rat-kill logo emblazoned on the chest that made him realise it was the little rat exterminator. For the crumpled body no longer had a face. <laughs> That's such a great James Herbert line. The crumpled body no longer had a face. That gives you a flavour, dear listener. Of the uh, of the said book. The gruelling stuff. Now look, we've found it, haven't we? Well, we're standing on uh, Salmon Lane Bridge <laughs> facing the wall because it's a bit windy, so it looks a bit weird from the road. Uh, and uh, we think that Harris runs across the bridge from that side. Salmon, side Salmon Lane. Salmon Lane Bridge. And then as, as you come over the bridge, and he says seconds later he turned into the grounds. That's exactly what would happen if you went into Anglia House because it's just off the bridge. And the rats are coming to feed off the garbage coming down the chutes of the tower. And there's two chutes on the side of the street. On this side. So it's all very, very good. It completely works. Yeah. And also as a landscape, it's so um, evocative uh, of what was going on here because well, we've got these two towers, uh, two flats, it's 1960s towers. Yeah. Block built. And then we've got an ancient old pub called the Prince Regent. Which is really lovely. We've got a massive pub. second-hand tyre store yeah and that's and then so in that time it would have been absolutely just these two modern tower blocks looking out over wasteland a load of wasteland yeah it would have been quite telling wouldn't it it would have been of the of what kind of development is and going the railway, on here. the railway going past as well it um it's quite interesting because afterwards harris says harris was in no mood to go back to school that afternoon he walked for a while through the streets of his childhood coming upon long forgotten alleys a tobacconist where he bought his first packet of Domino cigarettes. Linda Crossley's house, a girl who had one night when they were teenagers, let he and six of his mates have it off with her at the back of the local oh youth God. club and was forever known as Seven Up. Bomb sites still untouched by building developments, stunted posts once used to tie horses to in his days to play leapfrog and today, well, not many horses around anymore. And when was the last time he'd seen kids playing leapfrog? Finally. He caught a bus and returned to the flat. And then he says, civilised London, swinging London, dirty, bloody London. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite punk again, isn't it? It is quite... Dirty, bloody London. Dirty, you can bloody imagine London. Johnny Russell. You, dirty, you, bloody London. You dirty old man. Is you that what he says to Bill Grundy? Steve Jones you says it. dirty little rotter, he calls Steve him, Jones. Actually. You rotter. You dirty little rotter. <laughs> So I think it's good. That's 76, isn't it? That's 76. 76, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of years after this book yeah, comes out. Yeah, Sex Pistols. It's in the air, right? That kind of like... So this is the anarchy in the UK of literature. I would say. Yeah, the wind's died down a bit now. Of course, uh, The Stranglers had an album out. And so, was it 76, Rattus Norvegicus? Yes, The Brown Rat. Yeah, there we go. So Punks and Rats. Punks and Rats, is, they're, they're in the space. It could be in the space. This is terrific. Here. The uh, the tire the used the tires new and used place opposite the flats is is quite something, a very tattered Union Jack straight off the canal flapping in the breeze, in front of a sixties tower block. This I'm feeling a metaphor coming on. Is England. <laughs> it might, I thought it might be quite nice to sort of describe the route we took because you in particular were very taken by the by how interesting the actual walk was we did oh, it all it was in one day wasn't it? we did a big loop yeah we did yeah uh, so we started at Whitechapel station yeah headed down the Whitechapel road to Outer Valley Park yes then we cut down along Stepney Way to down the back of the hospital down the back of the old London hospital which is um, extraordinary the old hospital is the old outpatient's entrance but sort of boarded up and then the new hospital's massive huge building absolutely you literally walk under the hospital don't you you have to walk under it and then we ended up at Stepney Green Recreation Ground and to talk about the school school's there and then we walked through 
an amazing church that I've already forgotten the St. name Dunstan's. of. St Dunstan's. St Church. One of the oldest churches in London. It's it's like a, it's like you're suddenly in the countryside. It's amazing, surrounded yes. by this amazing churchyard. And it's pre-Norman. And a really lovely 18th century housing all around it. It's yeah. beautiful. Amazing beautiful place. And from there, we made our way down to, so to the, canal, the canal. Through an estate to the canal. Uh, Tomlin's Terrace. Tomlin's Terrace. And then it's still there. Tomlin's Terrace. I Tom- thought that wouldn't be there, but it no, is actually there. there. It's sort of like a, there's black iron railings that just on the side, and then there's a, a walkway, which is that terrace. Yeah. yeah. And then we walk down the canal, past the Lockkeeper's Cottage. You're really of, not very soon. far from Limehouse Basin and there. I was quite Limehouse surprised Basin, by which that. Is where the Regent's Canal yeah, comes yeah. out into the Thames. And you basically you walk under the A13. Yeah. So uh, it's um, it's a brilliant walk to understand, to, to get a picture of what the East End is like today. Well, even better was I felt that we, we then we, we stopped for lunch. It was lovely. We in, did. Ian McKellen's yeah, pub, McKellen's The Grapes. The Grapes in Limehouse. And then uh, actually we... T- I would recommend this listener to get on the Docklands Light Railway. We did. We went from West Ferry, didn't we? We did. And we went up to uh, Bow. To Bow, um, which is where at, Poplar Town but Hall if you, is. But if you take that train and um, sit, look out the window. Because you go through the middle of the window. Poplar. And it's now been completely turned into flats. Well, they've room. got one of everything from every period. That's the... What, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's so um, piecemeal. And if you want to pick up... Com- if you want to pick... I'm just looking at right move now. If you want to yeah. pick up a flat in Poplar that's near the river, you're talking about two to three million pounds. That's ridiculous, right? For a flat. And yet they still have the Crisp Street Market and, yeah. a, and, a, and a, a very small and I presume sort of shrinking area yeah. of uh, where, where the original sort of working class families live. There's still an estate there. Um, well, the other, thing I, the other thing that's worth saying is, is I looked for flats for sale in Poplar, East London, six hundred and sixty-nine results. It's huge numbers of flats that have been built. Yes. Um, in so the, as a development sort of playground, a developer's playground, that's what it looks like. Ed. Yeah. And then we so then we got to Poplar Town Hall, but then we, you can you can just walk down the road and then jump on the district line, and then you can recreate the 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 tube uh, incident at Stepney Stepney Green, can't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you can go back to, and uh, then you can walk down. We walked down we to walked Shadwell, from Stepney Green Station, down to Shadwell, London Overground, which I think was also was very interesting. We did that just as um, schools were coming out at three thirty, and uh, it was very, very uh, telling. That I mean, there's a very, very large Bangladeshi yeah. uh, community there. Obviously, sort of second, third generation, if not yeah. fourth generation now, um, but it was very noticeable. That most of the people who live there are of Asian descent, other probably yeah, but Bangladeshi. Then, then so. you couldn't not you couldn't help but overhear them talking to each other. Oh, brilliant! And they were Londoners. Oh yeah, absolutely, they were complete Londoners. Absolutely, it was hilarious listening yeah, yeah, to them yeah. talk about. Yeah. She said, "What? Yeah, blimey!" Yeah. And basically, as you walked that down to Shadwell from Stepney Green, yeah, so you would have done a nice ground. little circle there. It's which amazing. Is what, so. It, take this book with you, but just use it as an excuse to look around town. So, Hamlet. if you're visiting London. From it's a slightly overseas, different, and they they're saying to you, well, make sure you check out Madame Tussauds, and make sure you do, you or know, do the Jack the do, Ripper tour, do the Jack the Ripper tour. Don't forget do any it. Of that stuff. Get it into Whitechapel. Go do the rats and do the rats. <laughs> so. James Herbert's The Rats. We have to give it a mark out of ten. Well, because we are very austere. Well, because we're like teachers, like Harris. We give two ratings. (laughs) We give two ratings. uh, One for artistic uh, impression and one for curiously specific ability. Yes. The the, the extent to which it's curiously specific about dates and locations. Um, What order do you want to do them in? Well, you normally start with artistic impression. So artistic impression. Um, I'm going to go straight in there and yeah. say that um, I was very worried about reading this book. I thought it's going to be too trashy. It was my idea, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, well, I was excited because I haven't read it since I was ten. Yeah. You know, um, but it is very accessible. I like the idea that it's a book that anybody can kind of read, and it and it's kind of about it's quite sort of down to earth, and it's about sex and violence. It's me- it's deliberately trashy. Yeah. It's not meant to. It's not. It's not making any big claim for itself. Yeah. Um, and therefore, um, I don't want to be too snobby about it, therefore, and give it too low a mark. Yeah. I thought they'd say I'd give it two. <laughs> and as a result of that, I'll give it two. 
But uh, and I like the style of writing. I think it's quite a direct. You know, I like. I yeah, it's got it's got a verve to it. It's got punch. It uses a very sort of visceral vocabulary. So I'm going to give it. I enjoyed reading it actually. So I think I will go quite high. I'm going to go eight. Very good. Okay. Didn't struggle with it. Went through it. Read it three times. Enjoyed it. Uh, I'm I, very similar actually. I mean, I think it's you know it's not. There is a. I think Stephen King's analogy with punk is 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 actually really. You know, appetite because yeah. I just think there is something that you know he's just like it's a new way of writing yeah. you know it's, it's a, of its time it's full of misogyny yeah. and yeah, uh, the subject matter you're yeah. gonna, is going to be uncomfortable I wouldn't, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend it you wouldn't no. give it to a young person to read no um, but uh, as you say I think it is incredibly good fun to read uh, and incredibly punchy and I mean brutal but also you know direct and yeah. all that. so I think I'd go eight as well oh good I think, yeah, good I think, good, I think good, that's, good I think that's all right I think that's fair enough now in terms of uh, specificity and the Q spec rating location wise we're quite happy with it I think it took us on a adventure which is what that gives it marks doesn't yeah. it that you can take get a route and it takes you somewhere we're a bit worried that um, he hasn't really been to these places at the time he mentions. He may have been to them in the late 50s and early 60s, mm. but by the early 70s, he works for an ad agency. Ad agency. He hasn't got time for that. He thought he knew the place better than he did. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. He just, oh, I, I was brought up there. I, yeah. I don't need to go back. I don't need to go back and check it out now because I've, I, I, I maybe quite there. surprised by the, how rapidly it changed. Yeah, exactly. He would, might, would have been surprised. Yeah. So I think that's a problem for him. Dates. As we've said in our date section, he's not interested in dates, really. He's just got a, a couple of weekends he's really interested in, a Friday to Monday mm. a series of incidents and then a, some intervening weeks. Mm. But he doesn't really – he's not interested in when that is. We think it's a spring and stuff. So I, I'm giving him a really low mark for Go dates because he's all over the place, I think. So I'm going to give him a four. Blimey. That's pretty – yeah, I'm going to give him a four. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would. We've add, had I, to do. We've done more impressive work than him. Yeah, I would. I would agree with all of that. I'd also add in that his, you know, this whole getting his rats wrong in a book called The Rats seems to me to be. I love your face as you very, say that. Very, You're very, really, serious. really not happy with so that. So I, 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 I'm going. Uh, I'm going in. I think I'm, because of that, I'm going an even lower, Tim. What? I think I'm going for a three. <gasps> Wow! I kind, of, I kind of go, Herbert. Wow. Herbert, you've got that wrong. That's incredible. You've got that wrong. Then he's got a very low score all round, hasn't he? So we're sort of saying you'd read it, but be mindful that his dates and locations are all over the place, and he's got his rats he's wrong. His he's rats called wrong. the rats, and he's got his rats wrong. I mean, there's just no, there's no, there's no coming back from that. So it's the uh, end of our rats adventure. Oh, finally. We're rat free. Uh, we like to say a few thank yous at this stage for uh, bits and pieces that we've used on the way. Do you want to do your, your regular thank you for our, for our theme? My, my regular thank you. Well, we have our theme, our theme tune. Yes, our, our lovely Q-Spec loop is supplied by an artist who goes by the name of Learning Music from the Free Music Archive. We are very grateful because I, I'm finding it quite soothing to when it comes in, it comes in yeah. also fills some useful gaps in the podcast it? <laughs> I've got some thank yous to say for music you would have heard a piece of uh, Bangladeshi music in the first episode oh that was great that was actually Bangladesh by Azam Khan right Azam Khan is a very interesting figure huge figure in Bangladeshi music he fought in the independence war Did in he really? the early 70s in the second episode you would have heard a, uh, a, a thing called Erie Canal Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. By a chap called Carl Gunnar Holmqvist. It's Where a tra- did you tra- find that? Traditional. It's a traditional song. I was looking for canal folk songs. Yeah, which as you do, harder to f- harder to find than you'd think. I thought there'd be quite a lot. That was the best one I could find. If anyone knows of a really good English canal folk song, oh, that'd be good. That would be good. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, on normal channels. Yeah. And then you also heard um, a really great clip of a woman talking about uh, the flats going up. The flat she's talking about is the Doddington Estate in mm-hmm. Battersea that went up uh, in the late 60s. That was actually from a uh, Thames TV documentary from 1971, produced by Jeremy Isaacs, no less, ah. and directed by Carlos Passini, and it's called Where the Houses Used to Be. So thank you to all those people for their bits and pieces. I'll, we'll obviously put links to them on our show notes. On our show notes that are only available to those people who support us on Patreon, Lloyd. Now, we've, we've got a bit of a patron update today, haven't we? Yes, we have. Well, first thing we ought to do is to say thank- hello to Alan Williams and Jeff Quest. Alan and Jeff, hello. Because 
they are our latest community patrons because yeah. we, at the basic rate of two pounds, you get access to ad-free podcasts and our show notes and photos and maps, etc. And new podcasts as soon as they're available. But at a higher tier of the community patron, you get access to our Discord server where you can chat about other books we might do, and also we. We are, we've started um, putting our sort of field trip communications yeah, live from there. the road. Yeah, from yeah. the road there for people to join in with. We've decided to uh, drop the price yeah, to it's... five pounds rather than nine pounds yeah. because, well, because we think that's better value for money. Also, when we'd like more, to get more people more to come and join in. It's more fun when there's more people in there. So. Yeah, or not to say it isn't fun now. Because yeah. um, I'm really enjoying some of the suggestions of the books that are being made. We've had some great suggestions. Yeah, been really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, we find that the people in the community are quite knowledgeable. Sometimes a bit more knowledgeable yeah. than us. It's uh, it's distressing. Yes, yeah. But so we're but not entirely surprising. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a good place to learn. Yeah. So for a for a you know not a lot of money, I'd say you can you can get the you can get all the podcasts as soon as they come out. Ad free. You get maps videos links and you get to join a community yeah and have a good old chat about so come and join us why not come and join patreon.com search for curiosity specific and also our marketing uh director stig stig yeah and he calls himself director now well i noticed like we're a company or something he would like you to also share your love of our podcast on your social media yeah, platform. Yeah, I've had of a few, I've had a few nice emails of last week about our Dracula podcasts and uh, uh which is lovely to have, but I would say anyone who <laughs> anyone who enjoyed it, please tell everyone to, yeah, tell everyone. Tell everyone. <laughs> tell everyone on Twitter. We're a curiously spec at curiously spec. At curiously on spec, yep. Uh, we're on Instagram as Curiously Specific Book Club. There's some um, pictures and videos up yeah. there. And we're on Facebook as Curiously Specific Book Club. Yes, the Facebook page. So you can sign up there. So yeah, so join <laughs> us on social media. Have a chat. Check out our Patreon page. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to. You know, be able to speak to you directly yeah. on our Discord server. And um, uh, otherwise, we'll see you next for our next podcast in a week's time. Yes. No more horror, please. Uh, is there no more? Horror? No, there's no more horror coming up. Uh, I think we're going. To the north. Oh, so it is horror. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.